0: Seated right where you are. Say hey to somebody around you, beside you. I'm um. I'm so excited about this morning. I've got a couple of uh, uh, announcements before we get going. Uh, the the if 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 this is your first time here, forgive me. Uh, there are a couple uh, internal announcements that I have to make, but it does affect you. All right, and you guys that have been with us uh, from the beginning all the way till right now. Uh, so our um, uh, last week, or, or this, this past week before this one, uh, we have signed the papers for our construction contract agreement for our build-out here in this space. And uh, we were, um, my, my biggest, one of my biggest concerns early on, several months ago, was uh, we, had, we had ordered some doors early before we bought anything else. And because the reason was the type of doors we were getting, they said minimum time it was going to take to get here was going to be seven months. And I was like, well... This is never going to happen, all right? And uh, so I said, well, we need to go ahead and get these. And then I told our prayer team, and I said, look, it's going to take forever for these doors to get here. I don't know, seven months, maybe a year. Who knows? God knows. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just pray that, you know, the Lord kind of expedites the process here and they get here on time. Well, problem is, is they got here three months later. The owner of the, of the business was like, hey, the Lord must have done something for you because here are the doors. And uh, the problem is, is, we hadn't even started our build out. And so we've got these big doors and no building yet. So we are starting our, um, uh, the build out in uh, drum roll, please. Are you ready for this? Uh, yes, I think that's a bird sound, not a drum roll. But close <laughs> enough. And we got a uh, in three weeks, all right? And when I say three weeks, I mean three Sundays, and this one counts. So here's the deal. April third is our last Sunday in this place, as it is. All right, we're gonna we'll have a big uh, fun service on the third, and then we're headed out of here. And uh, we're gonna have uh, for you men uh, that are uh, been asking me nonstop about demo day. uh, Demo day for the church. So we're doing some of the demo work here. uh, Is Uh, is that day, and then the following uh, two days. I actually think we can get it done uh, faster, but we're gonna pull all our guys together. If you guys have been looking for some for some work to do, uh, get ready, it's coming for you. And um, so, last Sunday here is in is in uh, two weeks. Our new home for the summer, for the duration of the project, is actually right down the road. It's like half a mile to a mile away. At the Stovehouse. There's an event center called the Bell at the Stovehouse, and so. We're going to make our little move down there and uh, have service on Sundays there. It's going to be really, really cool, especially the timing of it, uh, the way it works out. We won't freeze to death afterwards. We can go out and, and afterwards and, and go eat lunch together and, and hang out. It's going to be really, really fun. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the the place is on the backside of Stovehouse, and we'll have signs and, and flags and all that fun stuff for us, and uh, we'll make sure that we have a lot of announcements following so that you guys... Uh, And those that are not here today will know where we're going to be. We don't want them showing up on the 10th, Palm Sunday, and they are here in an empty building that has been destroyed by the men in this church Um, with sledgehammers. All right. So also, real quick before we get started, our original um, uh, plan we had announced early November was a build-out here. And what we want to do is we wanted to raise enough money for... The, uh, for us to do the build out here on site for our long-term home, and we can move in, no debt, all that fun stuff. And so, incredibly, since uh, that first week in November up until uh, a few weeks ago, we had our, our project was three hundred fifty thousand dollars, and we had raised uh, two hundred and seventy-three thousand dollars. That is, I don't look, I don't know how that sounds to you. It might as well be 273 million. That is, that is incredible. And God's been with us the whole way. Now, because of, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this word before recently. It's kind of, it's been a little buzzword, word inflation. You guys ever heard of that before? So because of some inflation as well as uh, just the building's a hundred years old and we've had some zoning changes, uh, not zoning, but some uh, ordinance type things that have changed over the past uh, couple months that, that have come through our total cost has gone up so instead of 350 it's now 400 but our total that we've raised so far is three hundred and two million dollars three hundred two thousand dollars and so what we're looking to do is in the next um uh, by August we're looking to raise ninety eight thousand dollars and so I wanted to give you guys a a picture of that we did a um, uh, a from tent to table series that coincided with some fundraising that we did here in the church. Those of you that are a part of Four Corners, and uh, you guys saw that uh, early on, and so we're gonna, we're, I'm gonna, I'm gonna recast some of that over the next couple of weeks, just so you can get a picture of where we're headed, and uh, so we can celebrate what God's done so far. I, it, I don't, I don't, I'm not a a total math wizard, but 300,000 out of 400,000, I think is 75%, and uh, which is Pretty unbelievable, really close. All right, so I wanted to, I wanted to show you guys that, show you what, um, what our church is up to. And uh, there's a lot of moving parts over the next couple weeks and really over the next couple months. And um, if, you, if you think about the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt and they were going into the Promised Land, um, there, there was so much that God did in the wilderness for those 40 years that, the, that, that Israel um, looked back on and, sh- and shaped who they were throughout really the rest of their history during that season. And so what I don't want us to do is for us to have this just get through it mindset. I'm not, a, I'm not a just get through it kind of guy. I am a in the moment kind of guy. I'm going to milk every single moment I can. And so this is what I want you to do. If Those, those of you that are, are are prayerers, those of you that like to pray, would you take this to prayer and say, God, you've got, yes, we're going to move back in and we'll have a building. And it'll be great and, and all that fun stuff. But this season, there's something that you have for us, Lord. Let us see it. So let that be your prayer. Um, over the next several months, we're going to walk uh, step by step by step, one step after another um, with Jesus through this process. All right, so today's a really special day. Um, We've got our first ever uh, five for five. I want to welcome you to our first ever five for five at Four Corners. Each person that's speaking today has five minutes to share about one miracle of Jesus and its message uh, to uh, you and me today. All right. And so uh, r- real quick, a-, a word about miracles before we go into it. And there's our there's our five right there. Five for five. Come on. So uh, th- there are there are a lot of moments throughout the scriptures, um, specifically the Gospels, where Jesus performs miracles. And the Circumstances that surround the miracles are very, very diverse. Um, they are as diverse as the people involved. You've got, uh, you know, sometimes Jesus is healing a beggar. Sometimes it's a wealthy Roman military leader. Uh, sometimes it's a, it's, a, it's a poor Jewish widow. Sometimes it's one of the disciples' family members. Sometimes Jesus is healing a friend. Sometimes Jesus is healing somebody that is there actually to arrest him. At every single moment is um, diverse. It is, di- is as diverse uh, as each of the stories are, and that's why I want you to hear the stories today in diverse voices, and the reason is because every one of us, at some time or another, needs Jesus to show up in a powerful way, and, 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 and in a way that is both deeply powerful, but deeply personal. Every single moment that Jesus had in the Gospels, I just believe with all my heart, i I believe that he looked them in straight into their eyes and just and knew it was a personal moment for them. And so we could do a series on the miracles of Jesus and it would last probably till as long as the church lasted because there's so many moments and uh, so I have a few speakers today. I'm, I'm going to introduce you if I say your name I want you to wave all right and then they're going to come up uh, one after another and speak the first one is uh, Grayton Etheridge where are you at Grayton Grayton Grayton's in the back. Grayton's a Grayton's a UAH student right now. He uh, loves the Lord. He's called the ministry. He's working with me in a, in a ministry apprenticeship right now and uh, does a lot around here. His main gig is with the children's ministry. and um, But uh, Grayton is um, so encouraging. He's so uh, funny. He's one of the funniest people I've ever known. Uh, but he absolutely loves the Lord. He absolutely loves people. are looking forward to... Uh, Great, and coming up here after that is Melinda. Hey, Melinda. Hello. Melinda is. Um, she served several roles uh, at our church. She joined. Uh, if I, I think I have this right, about a month before COVID hit, somewhere around there, a month or two, right around there, and it's uh, been with us ever since. She is. Uh, she is so passionate about Jesus, and it is contagious. And I want you to. I want you to catch that passion this morning uh, when Melinda shares. I'm so grateful that she's uh, going to be up here. Next is Andrew. Andrew Arrington. Andrew's um, Andrew's lived in Huntsville about uh, three years. He. I think this is right. I think he joined our church a week before COVID and then we shut down and I was like, bro, it's not you, I promise. And um, he's been with us uh, ever since. He and Amanda, his wife, serve uh, uh, in a couple different roles, primarily with our students right now. And um, Andrew is, uh, he he is, uh, he genuinely loves the Lord. He is a faithful friend. I know what story you're telling today, what biblical miracle you're telling about. That that would be you. You would totally do that for somebody else. I'm so grateful for Andrew being here. Uh, And then last, she needs no introduction. My wife, Lindsay, uh, she gets one anyway. She... She serves and loves God's people tirelessly. She served right alongside me in ministry. I think 16 years now, uh, side by side, uh, truly side by side. Sometimes she's a little bit further ahead. She runs a little bit faster than me. Gets a little bit more done. She's a. Uh, she loves the Lord, and um, if you know her, then you then you have experienced also the gift that she is to all of us. And so. I'm so grateful for her to be here with us. And then last but not least, you get stuck with me again. I know you hear me every week, but here I am. So, uh, Grayton, will you guys, Grayton, come on up. Grayton's going to start it off. Will you guys give Grayton a big hand clap? Here he
1: comes. Go for it. Dude, I'm going to do this every week if Joel tells me how awesome I am. Oh, my gosh. I do have scripture I'm going to jump into, but I already told Joel, dude, Joel's going to hate me. Y'all know when he says five minutes. It's not five minutes. Because I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing five minutes there. I got way more than that. So, <laughs> so I was driving. Yesterday I was in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, watching one of my friends play baseball at Stillman Academy. Stillman College. He would kill me if I said Academy. Stillman College. And on the way back, it was like 1 a.m., and I'm driving. And, you know, when you're driving, it's dark. It's just like a blank screen. You can kind of make up whatever you want. And I hit something in my head, a story. I didn't have a story for what I was going to talk about today. I was just going to read through scripture. It's going to be boring. I'm not going to lie to you. And uh, then it hit me. I was like, "Man, today, Sunday, March 20th, is my grandfather's birthday. 76 years old. Him and my grandmother, are some of the most faithful people I've ever met in my life. Uh, they were the people who made me go to church when I was a children. When I was a children. When I was a child. When I was a children. A young child boy. And so." A year ago today, my grandfather, he just turned 76 today, by the way. Call, call, I love you. Um, it was supposed to be Paw Paw, but my sister decided peas were not in her repertoire yet, whenever she was calling him that. So a year ago today, he fell down a flight of stairs in his home going towards his basement. He decided to wear Crocs instead of tennis shoes, he told me. And so he was carrying a bunch of boxes and he fell down. <laughs> Sorry. He broke six ribs lacerated his lung and had internal bleeding in his head and when he fell on the ground i know he couldn't move i went and stayed the night in the hospital with him um i had to help him move three feet to the left one time couldn't even squirm so he said he fell to the ground and the first thing he said was jesus help me i can't move said, Lord, I can't do it without you. And somehow, he stood up, <laughs> cleaned up the mess that he made, dropping all the boxes because he said he was scared of, scared of my grandmother finding it. <laughs> and then walked up the stairs that he just fell down and sat down in the chair and didn't, couldn't even find his phone. He couldn't call anyone. He waited another two hours until my grandmother got home to where she finally said, okay, maybe you should go to the hospital. <laughs> she said, Rick, you don't look good. He said, I always look like this. He was pale. He had blood on him. He said, I think I just need a shower, and so um, my grandmother was out, and she felt a nudge to go home. She was out with friends. My grandfather made her go out with friends, um, a church group that she was with, and she said, I just felt, I felt like I was supposed to come home. I felt like something was wrong. She showed back up to the house to find my grandmother sitting there and said, Rick, why would I come home? What? <laughs> you look fine, and then she walked up to him, pale, sweating like crazy. Had a NASCAR race on the TV because he was bored. And um, after two or three, four months of physical therapy, he's finally fully healed. Climbing, um, climbing his garage that he built in the back, <laughs> in the back, and he praises God every day for it. It's insane. I was having a tough time coming up with miracles in my own life because I think it's super easy to overlook them. Another one. This is the last story, I promise you So <laughs> about in November, my grandmother was told um, that she had about a 100% chance of having, having um, fallopian tube cancer. She found, they found a tumor the size of a softball in, um, near her fallopian tubes. And um, they gave her like a 99.7% chance of having it. They went in. Took the tumor out. They still didn't know. The tumor itself was benign, but they said, there's no way it didn't spread. It had been in there for four months. I gave it to our prayer team. I said, guys, I know God's a healer. I know he's powerful. I really need y'all right now. I was breaking down crying while cooking lunch that day. (laughs) And um, about two weeks later, she she got the message that she had no traces of cancer in her body. After being told that she had a 99.8% chance of having it. And the first thing that she said was, isn't God so good? And that just, (laughs) it broke my heart in a good way. (laughs) Okay, so we're done with that. (laughs) On to to the scripture part. (laughs) Can I go ahead and get that up there? I'm going for John 4, verses 46 through 54. Hang with me. (laughs) <laughs> Once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. He's on his revenge tour. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. And Jesus said, <laughs> unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. That's, that's its own message. That's insane. That ties in right exactly what I was thinking on the way home from from Tuscaloosa. I've never seen a miracle, and then I just I, it just hits me. I got two from the from both my grandparents. The royal official said, "Sir, come down before my child dies." Go, Jesus replied, "Your son will live." The man took Jesus at his word and departed. He left. He le- <laughs> He took Jesus at his word. That's insane. That doesn't happen. If If I had a son who was dying and I went up to Joel and Joel said, "Ah, just go, just go home. He's fine. I would laugh at him. (laughs) I would laugh at Joel's face. He went all the way back home. It's believed he went 20 miles. And this isn't like he called an Uber 20 miles. This is like he walked or he rode. That's like five to eight business hours. So the man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on his way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. The main thing that I really want to focus on is the fact that he left. Jesus doing the miracle is super important. It's one of the most amazing things that we can enjoy in our life. But taking Jesus at his word is something that you can't overlook. Jesus said, go. And he did. He ran home. And his son lived. That step of faith is something that you can't, you can't overlook. I get it. I was, I was a senior in high school, and I had no direction. I was the figured out when I get there kind of guy. I had, I've known Joel and Lindsay since I was, I don't, they knew me before I knew anything. So, <laughs> so so I knew they were up here, and another couple, Jacob and Hannah Spivey, they, they were joking around with me trying to get me up here one day, and it was an option. But where I really wanted to go was Auburn, War Eagle. And I know, I know, I know, soon to be NCAA champions, right? So whenever, whenever I really thought about it, I prayed, and I was like, man, I don't want to go to Huntsville. I was like, that sounds like so much work. Um, but I did it anyway, and I don't know why I did it anyway, but I ended up here, and there's nowhere else I should have been. This is a spot, I mean, God can use you anywhere, but God wanted me here, I think. Now I get to teach the first through fifth grades. Love those kids. That's the biggest blessing in my life that I've received. The faith to take that, to take that step when Jesus tells you to go somewhere. Because it's easy to ignore something that Jesus is telling you in your head when it doesn't match your intentions. And when it's not something that helps you, it's so easy to say, oh, I can probably put that off till later. I can probably do that later. Like if God if God asks you to like move to Africa right now. That's it. <laughs> that's it. I don't know if I I don't know if I could. That's that step of faith. That's what he had. That's what the royal official had. His son was dying. He begged Jesus. This is a man with authority, begging Jesus to heal his son. And that step of faith is what did it. Jesus' power and that love that he has for us. He said, Go. He didn't think twice about it, and he left, and he went home. I'm going to leave you all with this. Joel's giving me a weird look, so I think that means my timer's up. (laughs) Jesus is calling us all to faith, and surrendering is taking that next step. So be, be sure to listen up. Thank you. Now it's time for the superstar.
2: Wow. Hey, if Jesus can make a donkey talk, y'all, there is hope. Anyway, hey, I am so excited this morning to be able to share with you a miracle of Jesus. I'm going to talk to you about the time that he went to the tomb and raised Lazarus from the dead. He called him out of the tomb and said, remove the grave clothes. And you know, he says that to us today remove the dead, the grave clothes, the things that bind us up. But that story of Lazarus, there's so much in it, there's so many details. But I want to focus in on two words in this story if only. Because you see, when Jesus, a lot happens on the road. Jesus was always traveling. And so he's on the way. He hears that, you know, Lazarus is going to die. Of course, He's hanging out with a posse in another town, and he's like, that's cool. We're just going to hang out here a few more days. But on the way, when he goes, he's on the road, and Martha comes out to meet him on the road. She said, Lord, if only. And then she goes and gets Mary, and Mary runs out, and she meets him in the road. And the first thing Mary says to him, Jesus, if only you had been here our brother would not have died you think about all the if only's that we give jesus god if only god you heard my prayer if only god you know my despair god god if you would just hear me if only and he in this story was there with them. He heard them. He saw their prayers. And it says, Jesus was deeply moved. And he, but see, Jesus had an if only too. Jesus said, if only you'll believe, you will see the glory of God. And I have another account for you of a woman that Jesus met on the road And I was on my way to church one Sunday evening, and I I worked in Madison, and I lived and went to church in north side of Fayetteville, Tennessee, and it is a perfect, beautiful Sunday, and I'm driving this gorgeous back road. The sun is shining, and the wind is blowing, and I see this blonde-headed girl walking down the road toward me. She's barefoot, she's carrying a baby, and the wind is just kind of blowing through her hair and the sun is shining through her hair it's just a beautiful scene and you ever do this I just raised my hand and I said bless her Lord and as soon as I said that it was just like the Holy Spirit tangibly entered my car and said that's not good enough I'm like Lord I know that you did not just tell me to turn around and go back because I'm late for church. I'm telling you, it was the Holy Spirit responded and said, what for? So I turned my car around. I went back. I was like, hey, you need a ride? Where are you going? I convinced her to get in the car. So, as soon as she got in the car, she began to show me her battle wounds, her scars. She was in an abusive relationship. She began to cry. I'm like, this is a divine appointment. She said, I don't want to live anymore. She had had all she could take. And so I began to cry with her, and I said, I don't think the Lord wants you to live like this anymore. And she got angry. You see, she had her own if only. She said, I don't believe in God anymore. I used to be a God-fearing person. But if only there was a God, this would not have happened to me. So I prayed with her. I encouraged her. I took her, and I dropped her off at a friend's house that was next door to where she lived, and I went to church. And when I got there, I was late for class, but there was only women who had shown up that night for that class. I told them what happened. They prayed for her, and then my friend Anita said, let's go take her this food. And I'm like, great idea. So we get in the car. We drive back down to the Alabama State Line, and it's like 10 o'clock at night. I pull up. She's sitting on the porch. She has blood running down her ears. She has blood running down her legs. He's already knocked her off the porch and beat her up again. So we prayed with her. She did receive Jesus again. And she said she'd come to church with me on Wednesday. So fast forward to Wednesday. We're at church. I I bring her to church. And it just so happened the women who had prayed for her are standing right there in the hallway. And one woman in particular who had never been in that class before that Sunday night, was standing there, and she says to her, and we'll just call the blonde woman Faith, just to give her a name, okay? So she says to Faith, the Lord has really laid you on my heart, and I've been praying for you since Sunday night. And I thought, well, isn't that sweet? So we go into the sanctuary for worship. We're in the back left corner, and this lady who I did not know because she sat on the far side of the church. I'd never really met her before Sunday night. She comes and sits with us. So the first song is playing, and the music is really loud, and I see that she's saying something to Faith. And all of a sudden, Faith bends over double, gut-wrenching, weeping. She's crying so hard. When she turns to me, I can barely understand what she's saying. She says to me, I didn't tell you, but when my mother died, I had to give my five-year-old daughter up for adoption. That's why I wanted to die. That's why I wanted to kill myself. I used to drive the streets looking for my daughter's face in somebody else's car. This is the woman who adopted my daughter. And so when she was adopted, she was allowed to have a photograph of her mom. And the woman recognized her from a photograph. And so I want to say, you know, how great Jesus is, how awesome he is, that even no matter what our if-onlys are, our doubts, God is with us through them. Jesus is with us in the midst of them. He will never leave us or forsake us. And he will bring us around if you'll just believe in Jesus' name. Thank you. (laughs) I think it's my five minutes, (laughs) y'all. Andrew.
3: Good morning. Now I have to follow that enthusiasm (laughs) and intensity. So when Pastor Joel was talking about us, he he had us pick our favorite of Jesus' miracles. There's all kinds of miracles throughout the Bible, all kinds of miracles that Jesus has done, different types of miracles we've seen throughout history. And what I've realized is, is there's not a set formula for miracles. Uh, You look at, Jesus does things one way here, he does one way there, he does things one way in another situation. I think he's trying to show us that there's not a magic set of words that we can pray. There's not a magic set of circumstances that surround a miracle. And so I, I was thinking about it, and one of the, the biggest things and biggest truths in my life is that I've determined that we're not supposed to do life alone. You see that all throughout Scripture as well. In Genesis chapter 2, God says it's not good for man to be alone. In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. In Hebrews chapter 10, the the writer says we should not give up meeting together. And so when I was picking out my miracle, I kind of wanted to focus on that. So we're going to look at Mark chapter 2. A few days later, when Jesus entered again, or sorry, a few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered there, and there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came. Bringing bringing him a paralytic, he was carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. After digging through it, they lowered the mat that the paralyzed man was laying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. And then, of course, the Pharisees, who were always watching, always have an opinion. They speak out. They freak out. They're having a good time. And then Jesus says in, chat, in verse 10, but that you know, you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. So he got up, he took his mat and he walked out in full in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. So my question to you is, when is the last time you ripped the roof off for someone? They didn't just dig a hole. Like, can you imagine being Jesus or the people around him? He's sitting in there talking to a bunch of people and just stuff just starts to fall. Can you imagine how distracting that must be in that moment? But these people cared so much for their friend who was paralyzed, he couldn't do it. So they saw the crowd. They could have been discouraged. They could have walked home. They could have taken him back and said, we'll try another day. Who knows? He may have encountered Jesus on a different day. But not this was his day. This was the day that they decided we're going to be there for our friend. We're going to be there for this man. And so they climb up on the roof. I don't know how they got the man on the roof on the mat. That's what I'm trying to figure out. But they ripped a hole in the roof one one. Gospel says they took a few tiles off the roof but they ripped a hole and they lowered the man down. And the thing that I want to focus on for a moment is when Jesus says or when Mark says when Jesus saw their faith. Not the faith of the man on the mat, when Jesus saw the faith of the friends. How many times have we gotten a text message or had someone ask say hey, I'm going through something will you pray for me? And either you do pray for them and you don't follow up, or you say, okay, or praying, and you don't actually do it. Like, it happens, it happens all the time. I'm guilty of it myself. Uh, when I met my wife, Amanda, she is one of the best in the world at following through on these things. Like, there was a moment that we had a, had a friend text me and say, hey, I'm going through something. Can you pray for me? And I was like, sure, yeah, I'll do that. And then I'm thinking, like, you know, I'll do that in my own devotion time later, not in this moment. She's like, no, no, we're going to stop right now. And we're going to do this right now. And we're going to follow up because that's who she is. And it's challenged me to be more faithful in that moment. It's challenged me to be the person who's going to rip the roof off for someone. Not just do it in that one moment, but to over and over and over rip the roof off for someone. And so um, my main focus of this is you never know. Like I said, there's no formula, there's no format, there's no magic words for for miracles, but you never know if your faith is the key to someone else's miracle, or if someone else's faith is the key to yours.
4: These are so good. I love it. Um, So I wanted to speak uh, shortly about the man who was born blind. That was a story in John chapter 9. Uh, I'll read just a couple of verses. As he went along, he being Jesus, uh, as he went along, he saw a blind man uh, who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man or his parents sinned, said Jesus. This happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. A little bit down, it says, after saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. Uh I am if you know me at all, you know I'm a I like control over my environment. I like to know what's gonna happen. Uh I, I cling to like Galatians 6, you reap what you sow. I'm going to sow something that I can expect <laughs> when I'm going to reap. I like boundaries. Um, and I like to know, you know, if I put a boundary, I know what's going to happen. So a lot of times growing up suffering in my head, I'm like, well, suffering will come from, you know, the abuse, sinful abuse of body or of mind or of finances or, you know, I know what I'm going to get from this. But this, this passage shows us not all suffering uh, is a reap what you sow. Um, Jesus uh, shows that very clearly. So the disciples are doing what I think I would have done. Uh, they're trying to make sense of it. They're like, Jesus, help me understand. This guy was born blind. So was it his fault or was it his parents' fault? And Jesus said, well, neither. Nope, nobody's to blame here. In fact, this man was born blind so that I can get glory. And I, I, I think about this man who born blind um, not only is that just in and of itself a heavy suffering, it's a hopeless suffering, especially at that time, because nobody had cures. There was no, it, there's like no glimmer of hope. Maybe this doctor can do for me what he did for this person, or maybe this procedure will help. There was none of that. In fact, Scripture even says right after that that no one had been healed of blindness uh, from birth. And so this is a very hopeless situation, the man is blind and, um, and they're out of options. And that's what I love because Jesus offers a new grace. He opens a new grace, something that's not been done before in order to bring the miraculous. Um, he says, hey, this guy was born blind so that I can get glory. So he does the most peculiar thing. Uh, he bends down and makes a mud pie with spit, which brings me back to elementary because you know you did it too. You get a stick and you you spit in the ground and you <laughs> and you play. Or that's what we did on the playground. Anyway, um, so Jesus does this. He bends down and he spits on the ground and he messes with it and puts it on this man's eyes. And I can't help but think Jesus drew attention to this already. This area of intense suffering. Uh, this is this is hit the area of most concern. The most pain. The most helpless and hopelessness, Jesus puts a mud pie on him and says, go, wash in the pool of Siloam. And uh, it just makes, it makes me laugh because Jesus worked a miracle through mud. He, he used mud to, uh, to work a miracle. Mud didn't heal the man. Jesus healed the man, but he used the mud. And um, I, I like Max Leclato says it like this. He says, God's power isn't seen through the ability of the instrument. It's seen through its availability. And I think that's why God uses us so often is um, we are jars of clay. He uses the weak things of the world to shame, uh, you know, the strong, the wise. And I look and I go, man, sometimes we are, we're the mud God, God uses um, to bring about his miracle. Uh, but it started this big, messy Storm in the city. Because the Pharisees, like Andrew said, the Pharisees are always around. They always have an opinion. And so they're mad and they're quizzing the man. And then they quiz the family. They bring the family in. They quiz the people who saw it. They bring the guy back around and they're like, tell us again what happened. He's like, listen, I don't have the answers you want. Here's all I know. I used to be blind and now I can see. And Jesus uses that physical healing as a catalyst for his spiritual healing. Um, so I, as, I, as I think about this whole uh, miracle story, I realize suffering doesn't always make sense. It doesn't. And in a world of confusion, God's goodness is always going to make more sense. <laughs> and God brings about miracles in ways we don't always expect. Um, my sister-in-law was diagnosed with a terminal illness at 33 years old. And it was a long seven years that we prayed for her. Our family prayed. Uh, We walked through life with the family. It was awful. It was very, it was a a very tough time. And I remember uh, the evening she passed away, Joel and I were, um, we were worried because I was like, we've got to talk to our kids tomorrow about this. And it was a little stressful because, like, like God needed me to defend him. But I'm like, oh, I've got to defend his, his honor, you know. <laughs> got to, what if we have to explain stuff and go into deep theological explanations about suffering and all this. And the next morning, I remember um, we pulled them in, and Joel said, hey, guys, I wanted you to know Aunt Tiffy went to be with Jesus last night. And there were tears and there were hugs, but I remember one of them looked up at us and they said, he did it. Jesus healed her. And I just remember, (laughs) it's like out of the mouth of children, right? Because in my head, I had a preconceived idea of what miracles looked like. Um, I prayed God would heal her, but I knew what that was supposed to look like. And it wasn't the way God had planned it. But through, I'm telling you, and many of you have walked through it, a lot of times suffering, it hurts, but God can get glory in the middle of it. And I've seen more good uh, come through the life she lived and the way the family lived in the middle of suffering that is still now getting God's glory. Um, So to wrap it all together, I would say this miracle, uh, the man born blind, compels me to rest in God's control of the big picture and bring him glory whether I am the man that's suffering or I am the mud that he chooses to use as an instrument of his miracle.
0: Man, those are good. I feel, I feel fed now. Real quick, um, one of my favorite miracles is in Luke 5. And um, Jesus is calling the disciples. He doesn't have very many yet. So he's about to call the disciples. It begins it says one day Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets, and he got into one of the boats, and the one belonging to Simon Peter, and asked him to put out a little more, uh, a little from the shore. And so he sat down, and he taught the people from the boat. We had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the into the deep water, let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night, all night. We haven't caught anything. And then there's this pause. and there's not a pause in the text, but to me, there's this pause because he's about to do it. He's about to do it anyway, and he's going to cast the nets, and he's going to catch all this fish. They can't even get all the fish in the boat, and then he's going to turn around. And he's going to say, Lord, please get away from me. I'm a sinner, I can't I, I can't even be around you. I don't deserve to be around you. And all that's about to happen, but first he tells Jesus his excuse. He says, we've been out and we've done this and we've done that. We've done everything that we could possibly do. And then he says this, But if you say so, I think he looked, I think Jesus looked at him in the eyes. I think he looked at every person in the eyes. I think he looked at Mary and Martha in their eyes. I think he looked clearly. The blind man right in his eyes. Heals him. I think he looked at Simon Peter right in his eyes. And I think in that moment, Simon Peter, I don't, I don't think he knew it, but his, his soul responded. He says, okay, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets," says. When he had done so, they caught such a large number of fish, their nets started to break, and so they singled out their partners in the other boat. They went and got their friends. Andrew went and got their friends. He said, "You come, fill my boats. Help, help, help! Fill both boats so that uh, so full that that they began to sink. Both boats." Simon Peter saw this. He fell at Jesus' feet. "Go away from me. I'm a sinful man." For he and all his companions were astonished at the kit. Catch a fish they had taken, so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to them, he "said Don't be afraid. From now on, you're gonna you're gonna fish for people." So they pulled their boats up on the shore and they left everything and followed him. Miracles are always powerful. They're always powerful. That's what makes them a miracle. But but they are even more personal. I I, I actually think that moment in between that phrase but because you say so we haven't caught anything but because you say so I, I think it holds what seems like the destiny of Simon Peter right in that, in that, in that moment I think it's one of the, large, the, the longest pauses in scripture there's not a pause on there but I, that's how I picture it I think on one side of it hangs all of Simon Peter's life I think it's the toil, the struggle the deferred hope that's the whole Jewish story Simon Peter, waiting on the Messiah, waiting on something, waiting on something. Wait. And it's been a struggle and it's been a challenge. And struggling with, with life and with sin and with people. And then on the other side of the pause, it's not just an unbelievable miracle. It's not just boats overflowing with fish. He didn't even stay for the boats. He left the boats that were sinking full of fish. He saw the most incredible miracle, and he didn't leave to go tell everybody. He left to go with Jesus. He was like, that's an amazing miracle, but it's not even, it it was so deeply personal in between that phrase. I think that miracles are, they're not magic tricks. That's why Jesus, you never see Jesus levitate. Jesus never changes out cards. He never says, hey, look over here. He's not doing, he's not doing magic, magic tricks. They always point to something greater. The, 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 the miracle is not about the miracle. The miracles are about God's love for people. Lazarus eventually died again. The blind man, he died again. The paralytic, Simon Peter, was ended up being crucified for his faith. The, the miracle isn't about the miracle. The miracle is about his, God's love for each and every one of us. But that changed heart was changed for eternity, and it happened in that moment, in that moment. We fished all night, we haven't caught anything, but if you say so. And I wonder if any of us have a because you say so moment. Because you say so. And that's, that's really the challenge today. Is it, the, is it to have the faith of a friend? Is it surrender? Is it defining what you need? Is it an act of obedience? Because you said so. Whatever it is, wherever that miracle lies, it is personal. In your moment, your miracle isn't too personal for Jesus. It's not too far. It's not too far gone. It's not too much. Not too much for Him. So I want to pray for you this morning, if you would, if you close your eyes. Maybe you're here and you say, um, maybe you say, you know, something... Something somebody said this morning, it spoke to me. You know, God is dealing with my heart right now, and I I, I, I need to respond. Maybe it's about standing in faith for a friend. Maybe it's surrendering. Maybe it's an act of obedience. But you need to respond somehow this morning that that, that there's a moment in here that spoke to you. There's a challenge. There's a, a miracle of Jesus, not only the amazing miracle, but what is that moment Maybe God's speaking to you. If that's you, just as an acknowledgment, as a confession to Jesus, there's a diversity of messages and voices this morning, but I guarantee you there's a moment in here. Maybe maybe it was at the very beginning. Maybe it's even right now, somewhere in the middle. There's a moment that's weighing on your heart. If that's you as a confession to God this morning, I'm dealing with something. I need to respond. i got to respond this morning, however it was, what that message was. If that was you, would you just raise your hand real real high and you put your hand back down? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Maybe you're here and you have a a need. You have an actual need. You need God to intervene. Maybe you're saying, Joel, I, I, I need a miracle. Will you pray for me? Right where you are, you don't have to come up here. I do want to pray for you. If that's you, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you. You say, Joel, I got in my family, in my life, in me, somebody I know that I, I need God to intervene. My faith is, my faith is is increased this morning. It's strengthened this morning by hearing that. If that's you, would you just raise your hand real high, Joel? I need I need prayer. Yes, yes, so many. Yes, yes. Father, this morning, God, I thank you for your powerful word, God, your powerful word that comes through, God, your scriptures, God, you said, God, you promised it, it it, it would never return, it would never return void, it would never return without fruit, it would never return without something being planted there, and so God, I thank you for the planted word this morning, the diversity of scriptures that we've heard, and God, what you've done. God, I pray for those that have lifted their hand about taking a step in you. They need to make a move, and I pray that you would etch that into their heart right now, that they would remember that moment in between you and them. God, I lift up those people this morning that have raised their hand. God, they need a miracle in their life. God, as an act of surrender, God, we lift our hands to you. God, we ask this morning that you would intervene. God, we acknowledge that we need you. God, and we have belief and faith, God, that you will move. God, but it's not about our faith. It's about your faith. It's about what you can do. God, so we surrender that to you this morning. We ask that you would move in Jesus' name and God, that we would have testimonies of your power and of your goodness continuing to move forward as, uh, at, 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 as each step that we take. And we love you. Thank you for this morning in Jesus' name.
4: was good for my soul scripture tells us over and over and over remember remember you know look back remember and it's there's a reason because you remember what God's done and it it does it builds your faith it's encouraging Um, so thank you for being with us this morning if it's your first time with us at Four Corners Church I'd love the opportunity just to write you a little note thanking you for being with us there's connection cards in each of um, the the guides on the chairs so if you want to fill one of those out, you can drop it off on the high top table as you exit this main auditorium room. There's a drop box. Uh, also, for those of you who uh, maybe you have change of information or you have a prayer request you'd like us to pray with you about, feel free to fill that out as well and drop it off in the drop box. I know there will be quite a bit of communication we're hoping to send out over the next couple of weeks because of all the transitions that we're doing would love for you to be a part of stuff so if, if you don't get stuff from us uh like emails from us or text messages jot your info down again and drop it off so that we can make sure we've got uh, the ability to reach out to you um, i do also want to say our next step class we're going to postpone we had planned next steps at the end of this month and the first week of april but because of our timeline <laughs> we're gonna just hold off and get over to Stovehouse, and then we'll be able to Um, to resume. So we'll update you if you are interested in finding out a little bit more about Four Corners Church. uh, You will get the chance. Just let us move over there first. Um, And lastly, I just want to say thank you to those of you who give so uh, faithfully to Four Corners Church. We are blessed to be here. We're excited to be able to move down the street. Um, It's because of your giving that we're able to on those contracts and get that you know prepared and set and ready for us. So thank you. Um, I I do agree with Joel. God's at work now. It's not once we get back here and all the walls are together that you know then God's going to move. No, He's moving. Our prayer team prayed this morning. God's got a reason we're going over there for a couple of months, and there are people there that we're going to reach that maybe would never have heard the hope of Jesus. So I'm excited. God's at work while we're here the next three weeks. He's going to be at work over there for two and a half months, or three months, or however long it takes. Two and a half months, and um, <laughs> and then he will be here with us as well. So uh, when we get back, so thank you. Um, you are a piece to that. You're a piece of that puzzle. Uh, also, uh, I know many of you have a heart for outreach, uh, want to give, and so we have a couple of opportunities happening in April. We'll go into detail about those next week. Um, but we're not going to stop uh, reaching ministries in our own local city. Um, so be, be on, the, um, <laughs> on the listen for that. I don't know how to say that. Listen out next week for that. Um, we'll, we'll be able to, to help you um, be able to be a part of reaching our own local people for Jesus.
0: Sound like me. Be on the listen out there. Hey, would you do this? Would you stand up with me this morning? I want to pray for you on our way out. Um. Thank you guys for coming this morning, for listening, for uh, hanging out. Thank you th- those that were that spoke this, uh, uh, for our first ever five for five. <clears throat> Could be called five for fifteen. I'm 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 so grateful. Hey, would you do this? Would you hold your hands out like this? I I, I can't I can't give you anything, but God sure can, and He sure does love to. Now may you go this week in power in peace and in joy with your faith capacity expanded. And may every person that you come into contact with experience the love of Jesus as it flows over you, through you, and into them. In Jesus' name, amen.